Hello and welcome to another episode of Business and Bubble Tea. Here on the podcast today, we have with us Laurent Le Pen, the founder of Omate. Laurent, it's fantastic to have you on Business and Bubble Tea with us today. Uh, all good. Hi, William. Hi, Roberta. <laughs> welcome, Laurent. Uh, from France to China, uh, how does your China journey start? When did you arrive here in China? Well, um, so I moved uh, in late 2007 um, after our last, uh, uh, you know, Christmas dinner with my parents. And uh, I was moving, I was telling them I moved to a city nearby Hong Kong because at that time Shenzhen was not that famous. And um, I moved exactly on December 27, 2000. And seven, so that makes a bit more than fifteen years ago. Wow! Yeah, and I, yeah. And I used to to work basically in the in the mobile phone design industry at that time, and Shenzhen was already pretty famous for you know for manufacturing and for all the uh, you know like the uh, the supply chain for mobile phone, but yeah. not there were not many big brands at that time, so. Um, I was in this uh, in this industry, and um, yeah, my company made me move uh, to Shenzhen, and I was 25 years old. So that's how everything started. Ex ex exciting! And what got you to stay? What did you enjoy about Shenzhen? What what really, uh, I guess, encouraged you to, to to stay in China? Was it learning the language, or was it what was it about it? So it was all about my industry, basically. If um, so, again, my company make, make me an offer like to move uh, um, at that time, um, and really that was the art already of the industry. Uh, everything was 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 really um, moving there. But uh, on top of that, there was a, a big industry shift uh, in 2007. If you remember, it was uh, uh, the beginning of the with the launch of the iPhones, the very beginning of the smartphone. So it was a yep. big um, disruption in the mobile phone design industry at that time. So I moved exactly um, uh, during that period. And uh, six months later was even bigger for us because there was uh, the launch of uh, Google Android. So today all of that looks abuse, but uh, because we all have that in our, in our pockets, but yep. uh, it was a big, um, um, yeah. So it's really about the industry. I consider myself as an industrial uh, migrant uh, because if, um, for example, if um, if I was in the in the fashion industry, you know, I would have been probably in uh, today in, uh, in Paris, in Milan, or in uh, uh, you know in London, or whatever, you know, these kind of cities. Mm -hmm. But for mobile phone design at that time, and later on for um, you know Internet of Things and uh, all this uh, consumer electronics, uh, Shenzhen was was the right place. So I moved there really by. Uh, pushed by my by the industry yeah. and then what was the shift from working for this mobile company to create your own company the define Shenzhen as the city of entrepreneurship was this the, the spark that led you to the creation of your company Omate? yeah so it took um, it took me some years so it was um, from 2007 to 2012 so for five years I was I was still working in that industry. Uh, um, so my, my first company was um, a spin-off of Philips Mobile. Then we I joined an um, uh, original design manufacturer in, in Shenzhen. Um, I work uh, also for um, 
a rugged, rugged company called the Sonim in, in San Francisco. But uh, yeah. uh, so I was still in that environment. But um, then in 2012 was really like the uh, the end uh, of the of this kind of feature phone, of small small display phone. And it was also the beginning of um, the wearable, you know, the smartwatch, a very early beginning of the smartwatch. So, you know, so it was like a combination of factors that makes me make uh, the decision to launch uh, Omate and um, some Eureka moment as well, etc. So, yeah. yeah, that's how everything started. 2012, then really moving to it 2013. So 10 years ago. Amazing. And so... When you talk about Omate, you mentioned the fact that you're, I guess, a wearable as a service um, company. Can you explain a little bit what that entails, a wearable um, as a service? Um, so, so today, that's what we do, indeed, like wearable as a service. So we created this generic term like to explain uh, um, how we use the smartwatch and other uh, connected device as a, as a tool to run different kind of services uh, through our partners. So um, if you take, for example, like, um, you know, like a smartwatch, like for seniors, so like that one, mm -hmm. and if uh, the wearer press the red button, it will automatically connect to a call center and it will, um, you know, launch, like trigger um, a full set of services, um, especially for telecare is, is very important. Uh, um, you know, you can, you can take like uh, all this information, you can turn on like the um, the heart rate monitoring system of the watch. Yeah. You can um, turn on the camera, for example, and speak, engage like a conversation with a um, with a wearer. Um, based on that, according to you know the alerts, they can launch um, uh, different kind of services. So they can call an ambulance, for example, or mm -hmm. call the uh, if they have the access to the the nearest uh, neighbor, for example, information. They can they can ask them to to come over. So that's all we, we create like this kind of uh, ecosystem with our customers and our partners. And is there a, a particular advantage derived from being based in Shenzhen where you're at? Like what's the, um, is, is, there, is there an advantage to being based here? Is the, is the product itself being sold within China or, or outside? Um, what's the, I guess the target, target geography and the advantages? Well, being in Shenzhen, it's a, it's a big advantage uh, in terms of supply chain and speed to market. So uh, you can see here what we call the greater barrier is um, all the, the cities around uh, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, and all the satellite cities uh, around you. You can literally make like a hundred kilometers, uh, you know, uh, diameter, and you will find like every possible, um, you know, um, components, um, technologies, yeah. and um, skills to, to build any kind of uh, Internet of Things uh, product. So this is a huge advantage in terms of uh, speed. Um, and yeah, that's all we, we use that. But it's also because I, I've been there for many, many years. So um, it's probably more difficult, uh, most likely much more difficult to do that in anywhere else in the world. So that's the main advantage of um, being in, in Shenzhen is the speed. The China speed that we talk about also in other, in other podcasts. Um, and we know that the, the watch is also for kids. 
I think we noticed this trend since we came to China with kids looking at the watch and talking with their watch. Um, can you tell us about like um, more about these these target customers and what's the function of the watch for them for kids? Yeah, actually, um, so we launched a, kind of the very first uh, kid smartwatch. Uh, at that time was a 3G model uh, back in 2015, and we call it like Omega K3. Um, the the idea is really like to to make it as a it's, a it's a full telecom product. So it's a standalone device. There is a SIM card inside. There is like a, so it's connected to the telecom network, and you can track. You can l- geolocate like uh, the kids through an application. So for the parents, it's very mm-hmm. good, you know, for the kids, like uh, after school, when they, they come back, you know, on the way back. So it gives like kind of peace of mind uh, to the parents. And you can also like uh, communicate with them through video call. So yeah. then it became like very, very popular in China um, across um, the last, I would say like five years. Uh, it really became super big um, with some really big companies right now. We even cooperate with some of them. Um, it actually, we really try hard to expand that, that business model or that concept uh, outside of China, but uh, it took quite well in, uh, in some countries, but never really in the West. Um, it's starting, many people tried, but um, is also like about a cultural aspect. You know, we don't like this term like tracking, you know, even yep. for, yeah, that's for the parents. <laughs> but um, um, uh, yeah, it's something did not really, really work uh, yet in the, um, in, in the West, but really in China, it's super big. Like if you are like a parents of a kid, like age, I would say like seven to 12 years old and you don't give him like a, Kids smartwatch, uh, uh, probably a bad parent, you know. So it's become oh, wow. like, a, yeah, it's a, it's a really big market. So every single kid. Then uh, there is also this um, this adoption of many technologies like uh, WeChat Pay. So it's yep. kind of no, it's like their wallet. They can take the metro with it by themselves. You can generate a QR code. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really. Um, I am super sophisticated device basically, yeah. but uh, it's also because of that, it's kind of uh, expensive. It's not like a, a cheap model, um, uh, cheap hardware, let's say. And even there is, it's linked to um, to carriers or, you know, like to a plan with a subscription and so on. Yep. So it, it's something more difficult to accept, I think for Westerners, but, uh, but we are designing another one uh, for um, for partners in Europe, and actually, we we really believe it will be announced soon. Actually, we really believe this is going to be more ac- acceptable for, um, especially in Europe, actually, but also in, in US, um, which is just like a, a, a simple Bluetooth. You know, it's very yeah. slim. Also, it's much slimmer than yeah. a, uh, you know, like a kid smartwatch. I can show you another one, a kid smartwatch. Yeah. You can see the difference is quite big. Let me just show you. Oh. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So this is a kid's smartwatch, basically. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is quite big because it packs a lot of technology, a lot of um, 4G antenna. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there is a you know a slot for the for the SIM card here. Yeah. Uh, you have a camera on top for video call. I mean, it's a crazy device. And yeah. and this is a 
just a Bluetooth only. So you can see it's almost the size. Yeah. 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 And it's probably more appropriate for kids' wrist. Um, yep. It's just like a modern version of their of their of their watch. Like um, you, you can change the watch faces. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. And so this we would not use. Do you see more willingness to adopt, for example, the senior devices in the West, maybe? So. Um... Yeah, you can see this is, um, you know, in this globalized world, or we also tend to forget the um, cultural differences. Uh, um, in China, there is something very. Uh, very clear is that they really take care of the um, of the senior people, and uh, they really ask like um, they will really take care of uh, yeah their parents, their older parents, and usually they will live with them. Something which is probably for two two generations already like over in, mm -hmm. in in the West, like we don't we don't do that anymore. So we try to have like a, um, you know people to stay at home in their own. Uh, own a house uh, as long as possible in the West, but it's really not possible in, in China. So, but, and then for kids, they also, you have, um, they can really, because of the one child policy before, uh, now it's open to uh, more kids. They also have, um, you know, the same trends everywhere, like uh, of uh, population uh, declining. So try to tell, to, uh, you know, to tell people to do more kids. So, um, but, um, so culturally in Europe, there is this big opportunity on the senior tech or senior, yeah. um, uh, you know, senior citizen or silver economy, what we call, and that's why we can, we can sell this kind of devices, uh, on, you know, to insurance companies, to telecare companies. While in China, it's almost, there is no market yet because, um, most of the people will have either they will live at home so or they will have like um, uh, someone from the family member will mm. you know will will be the helper and this is something we lost basically in the west we we don't we run like uh, this kind of uh, um, pension house or you know retirement houses um, this is still the very early beginning in china while it's super advanced on many many things yeah. you know like really live in the future when you're in shenzhen you yeah, like you can be amazed by how many, uh, it's almost like there are flying cars, you know, it's really like you have all these electric cars everywhere. You have uh, all this uh, super uh, innovative technology. It's kind of cashless society, uh, but everything at the runs same time, on a QR code. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time on this um, elderly or cultural part of uh, taking care of the elderly, they are very traditional. And I, I believe this will take um, maybe another generation to to change. Or um, so there is no market. So yeah, in a nutshell, there is no market for senior tech. Not much. It's still it's still a niche. But as you know, because of the how big the market is in in China, even a niche it can be bigger than I don't yeah. know England market or even <laughs> you know like much French market. <laughs> yeah. So there is there are still opportunities, but it's not um yet um, big enough for major companies to to run on that and on the opposite on the kids it's super big it's a super mature market right now and following but on from that what's what's it been like 
launching uh, as an expat within within China? What's it been like growing that business within China? Well, for um, uh, so there are different aspects. Um, again, on the um, designing a product or launching a product, uh, this is a big. It's not an advantage to be like a foreigner, but uh, at least um, uh, to launch a product for the rest of the world is, is easier. Then to raise money, for example, I was way too French, you know, for investors in China. And then for investors uh, overseas, I, I was way too Chinese. You know? So that oh, was uh, <laughs> um, for the rest. Um, uh, well, it's uh, it's a great country to it's a great region also like to to launch a company but uh, there are plenty of uh, opportunities and uh, yeah, it's a good place it's a good place also to live so overall it's, uh, it's pretty the, positive the biggest challenge for you here it's like cultural shock language to start well, not... a company or maybe don't have the Maybe a Chinese mm -hmm. co-founder. Yeah, there are plenty of ways, like to you know, to bypass all these uh, obstacles. Or um, one of them is definitely like to have like um, local co-founders or local partners or people you can trust. And um, so this is what happened to me. So. Um, uh, obviously, without them, uh, it would have been much more difficult to, to launch or to, to set a, a business here. But um, uh, no, I think it's, it's difficult everywhere, you know. So um, even if you, you know, most of the startups we, we say and from the data that after five years, most of them are uh, either dead or at the hospital, you know. So um, <laughs> today we are. We are, we are celebrating our 10th anniversary, so we are we feel like we are more uh, You're stable. You're the casualty but... ward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got our, our 10 years award, so I don't know what it makes in waiting, but it's, uh, it's something. And um, uh, yeah, um, it's we've got time for one final one time time for one final question. I just wanted to ask, what would you advise anyone looking? to uh, launch a business in China? What would your one piece of advice be? Well, to so find uh, good partners, find uh, local partners that you can trust, obviously. Um, this after another advice, maybe more general is, um, is people tend to tell you like, oh, you need to focus on, on, on what you are doing. Uh, this is you need to, to be uh, on your ID. But if your ID and you see that it's going, you are going to hit the wall, you know, do not mm. in any circumstances, like uh, do not any, hesitate like to, to pivot. Uh, that's the smartest yeah. thing you can do. Just like uh, as a captain, you know, of, uh, you, um, you need to, to change the way like, according to the, to the weather. So it's, it's the same. You, you, you cannot go, if you can survive a storm, uh, very good. But when you have like a big, competition, if you start seeing like, uh, you know, uh, in my case, what's like uh, companies like uh, Apple and Google coming in the same field, you know, e even if you were like uh, part of the first people in, in that, uh, in that uh, segment, when you see this giant coming, uh, I can tell you it's smarter to pivot, you know, to avoid this. <laughs> when there's a 10 ton gorilla on the way. <laughs> right.
Fantastic. Well, um, that, that's all we've got time for today, but thank you so much for joining us on Mrs. Bubble Tea, Laurent. You're welcome. Thank you for your time. It was nice uh, chatting with you.